We're going to turn this evening to the scripture that Cameron has already read for us. And I just want to read, first of all, the, the first three verses again, and then we'll read some more of it again as we go on. It's, uh, as I was thinking for uh, th this evening, preparing in the week, and at the same time I was um, preparing the devotions for this next week. I'm usually at least two weeks ahead on the devotions, but having been on holiday and everything else, I'm not as far ahead on them as I usually are. And uh, I just felt, first of all, in the devotions to go to this chapter. And then, as I was preparing the devotions, felt it was right to also prepare ministry for this evening from this chapter. So there'll be some overlap in what I'm sharing tonight and what you'll read during the week after, not tomorrow, but from Tuesday on in the devotions. But let's just read those first three verses again. It's a great chapter, isn't it? As you know, this is one of my favourite books, Ephesians, and I just love all of this book. And it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. These few verses really are giving to us a, a summary of what we were like and what those who were still sinners I still like. And as I went through it, I began to mark out some different things there. And uh, I've got eight things that this chapter tells us concerning what we were like outside of Christ. And we're only going to look at them very, very briefly. In fact, some of them so brief, I'll just tell you what they were. But it, it starts off by saying that we were dead in trespasses and sins. But not only does it say that we were dead in trespasses and sins, but it says that we once walked in the trespasses and sins. It seems strange to say we were dead, and yet we walked. As if dead things can't walk. But we know what it means. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we walked in the trespasses and sins. And then it's interesting to note that the words trespasses and sins are in the plural. And that speaks to us of the diverse nature of the sinner. He doesn't describe in this letter, Paul, what the transgressions and sins were, but we know what he's referring to. We know that it is anything that we are involved with or in that is contrary to the standard that God has set. It speaks of anything and everything that is unholy, impure, ungodly, unrighteous and immoral. And we could list a load of things and if I gave you a chance now, we're not going to, but we could start to begin to list what we would call sins and transgressions. And we could draw up quite a long list. 
and even still we would still miss so much out in scripture Paul in Romans chapter 1 he dares to mention some sins he talks about sexual sin and especially, especially certain sexual sins which have become so acceptable in today's society and in another place in 1 Corinthians he lists a few more included alongside sexual immorality he says or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God he's making a statement here which is an extremely important statement and I believe it's a statement which needs to be ringing out loud and clear today especially from the pulpit and into the churches because so much of what was considered to be wrong has become so acceptable in the society in which we're living in today and even sadly within some churches and so in that scripture he says do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God it's as definite as that they will not they cannot inherit the kingdom of God so he says do not be deceived the sexual immoral the idolaters the adulterers men who practice homosexuality thieves the greedy drunkards revilers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God it's serious stuff when we begin to read scripture and take on board what scripture actually says those who were involved in these practices will not inherit the kingdom of God it should cause us to realize how important it is to watch how we live and what we practice in our lifestyles as believers but Paul could have listed so much more as I said so could we if we were to draw a list but he has exposed enough in that scripture to enable us to understand how ugly sin is for sin is everything that God detests and everything that offends God and we can see today how low mankind has stooped from the position Adam was in prior to his first act of disobedience which led to all mankind as being sinners and so Paul goes on to say not only were we dead in trespasses and sins and we walked in those trespasses and sins but he says that we followed the ways of the world and the prince of the power of the air and we know that he's referring there to the devil and Isaiah way back in the chapter has been read or some of that chapter tonight Isaiah 53 says all we like sheep have gone astray in other words what Isaiah is uh, saying there is that like sheep we have wandered as sinners we've gone with the crowd as sinners we are walking or following the ways of the world and of the prince of the power of the air and then he goes on to say we lived in the passions of our flesh and that means you know that we live whatever our flesh desires we live in it 
And that's how sinful the human nature had become. And then he continues to say, we carried out the desires of both the body and the mind. And that's important to pick up when Paul talks about the body and the mind. For sin is not just about what we do. It's not just our actions and words. But sin is also about what we think as well. And so often we can think that we're doing so well. We're living good lives. We don't do this and we don't do that. But we need to stop and think about what do we think about. And so often we can think things that we shouldn't be thinking about. And when we think those thoughts, it's sin. It's living or carrying out the desires of both the body and the mind. That's why Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, when it comes to the mind, we need to think about things that are true. We need to think about things which are honourable. We need to think about things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely, and things which are commendable. Then he goes on to say we were children of wrath. Our nature was corrupt. Our whole being was corrupt. And therefore we were deserving of the wrath of God. And then he says we were sons of disobedience. Our whole nature was disobedience. We disobeyed in so many different ways. Uh, I bring it up when the devotions, we heard it last week. We've heard it once before when um, Norman was preaching one day. When he said, you don't have to teach a child to say no. You don't have to teach a child to say no. They just say no so readily, so easily. Because we are sons, or were, now we're not, but we were sons of disobedience. And so to sum up what Paul is saying in this, this chapter, we were all sinners. Every one of us. No one excluded. He says in this chapter, we were like the rest of mankind. In other words, we were all in the same boat. Every one of us. And it's so easy to point a pink finger. And I always say when you're pointing a finger, remember there's always three pointing back. Three pointing back. When it comes to the verdict of the opening verses, not one is excluded. As Romans 3.23 says, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's where we were. And that's where many still are. Sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. But I love verse 4. And I love the first word of verse 4. But. But. Thank God for the buts in scripture. And it goes on to say. But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. On the one hand in this chapter, we see that we were sinners in utter depravity. We were lost. We were hopeless. But then when we come to verse 4, on the other hand, we see God. 
and we discover that he's rich in mercy. He's abounding in love and he's amazing in his grace. And he's done something to get us out of the desperate predicament that we were in. See, these 10 verses that we've read tonight from Ephesians chapter 2 are like a balancing scale. Remember Romans 3.23? It tells us that we fell short of the standard of God. And God's standard was high. But we had fallen short of it. And sadly today, man is seeking to set his own standard. But we can never reach the standard that God has set. Because it's God's standard is what matters and what counts. And it's God's standard that will be the deciding factor on the day of judgment. And those of us that are perhaps older will remember that if you went to a greengrocer's or uh, somewhere like that to buy some fruit and vegetable, if you didn't grow your own, thinking of this morning, that they used to have this scale, didn't they? And they would put whatever you were buying on the one side and it would drop down. And then they would get their weights and they would put the weights on there. If you wanted to buy a pound of bananas, or it's kilograms now, but I'm still in pound and ounces. If you wanted to buy a pound of bananas, they would put the pound scale on there. And once it was level, you knew that you got the right amount. And so forth. Firstly, we as sinners in this chapter are found in the balance trace. And whoop, we've gone right down. We really are falling short of the measure that God required. We couldn't and we cannot do anything about it ourselves. But then on the other side, God puts his mercy and we start to rise. He puts his love and we rise a bit more and he puts his grace. And as we allow his mercy and his love and his grace to come into our hearts and into our lives and to touch us and to save us, we're found in the balance. And we've balanced out well. See, we couldn't do it ourselves. It took his love. It took his grace. And it took his mercy. That's why verse 8 is so important. It's by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God and in the balance I couldn't do anything about it I could try whatever I like but I could never get myself up to the standard that God expected and God demanded but he did it all by adding his grace his mercy and his love so what is the but in verse 4 led up to well, Paul sums it up for us in the verses that follow. Um, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. So re raised with him. The same 
raised with him because of his love, grace and mercy, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. The moment the balance is right, we become his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And before I look at those verses, I think that Paul sums it up brilliantly in another of his letters. And it's in uh, 2 Corinthians, it's chapter 5, it's verse 17. And you know, yes, that's my favourite verse. And this is what he says there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and I could change that by saying, if anybody is in that balance and has known the love, the grace and the mercy of God, we're in Christ when that happens. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And behold, the new has come. And in the verse before that, Paul says, we regard no one according to the flesh. That is, anyone who has come to faith, he no longer considers them according to what they were. And what were we? We were sinners who were dead in our transgressions and sins. And we may have done this. We may have done that. We may have committed the most awful of crimes that this world could ever register against us. But once we come to know Christ as Saviour, we are saved. We are different. We are new creations. And he continues in the verse afterwards to say, all this is from God. It lines up with that scripture that says, it's not of ourselves. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all from God. We become what we are, not out of ourselves or of anything that we've said, anything that we've done. It's all because of the grace of God. I've got competition in the back. <laughs> so after going what, we've, what, what we were, he then says God's made you alive. Isn't that good news? God has made us alive. Remember verse 1? We were dead, but in Christ we've been made alive spiritually. And of course there's a future redemption that brings us into eternal life rather than eternal destruction. It's good to know we're alive. And we're not just alive in ourselves tonight with our physical breath and everything else, but we're alive in Christ. Spiritually alive. We've been made anew. We are those new creations. God, by his grace, has changed everything about us. That's the miracle of salvation. So we were dead. Now we are alive. He says we once walked following the course of this world. But now in verse 10 it says we walk in the good works that God has prepared for us. See, notice we cannot be saved by good works. But good works should demonstrate that we're saved. That's so important. We can't be saved by good works. But good works should demonstrate that we have been saved. And we once followed the course of this world and the prince of the power of the air. 
But now, because of God's grace, we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow or walk in the way that the Holy Spirit would lead us. We no longer walk and stand and sit with sinners. That is, that we no longer follow their ways and their lifestyle. Because we've been saved from that. We have new desires and new ambitions and new longings. We once lived according to the flesh. But now we live according to new and godly righteous standards. We live according to the Spirit. And then we were by nature children of wrath. But now we become new nature. We have a new nature. We are new creations. And we become the children of God. His wrath towards us has been taken away. And instead he welcomes us to commune with him. To be in a place of fellowship with him. And the wonderful news is this. That we can even call him our father. That's what grace has done. We can call God our father. And so these verses, and I've only touched on them so briefly this evening. These verses should challenge those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. To remind us that we're no longer what we used to be. We're no longer where we were. Or at least we shouldn't be. If God's grace has truly touched us and transformed us. We should have new longings. We should have new desires. We should have new intentions. Because we've been washed in his blood. We've been cleansed in the blood. We have been called to be set apart. To live apart. And to be different to those who still walk according to that which is found in those first three verses. See, I should be different to the unbelievers around me if I'm saved. And perhaps more importantly, I should want to be different if I'm saved. Because Christ is living in me. And that's the wonder of it all. Christ is living in us. Remember I started by listing some sins and saying that there is a much longer list. But in Christ we've been forgiven. Whatever sin we committed prior to salvation has been blotted out. It's wonderful. We should rejoice in that. That every sin has been blotted out. And because the grace of God has saved us and cleansed us. We should be seeking to live with desires that will keep us from singing. Singing, not singing, sinning. <laughs> and keep us from doing the things we used to do. And to enable us to become more Christ-like every day. In the words of the song, it's the cross before me, the world's behind me. It's gone. It's no longer my life. It's no longer my desires. It's no longer the way I want to be. It's Christ and the cross before me. No turning back. Why? After being saved and transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To so many who claim to be saved. Keep wanting to go back to the places and the things that they've been saved from. These verses together should lead us to understand the seriousness of sin. And the consequences of sin. It should cause the sinner to understand the seriousness of his circumstances. And that in himself he can do nothing about it. And it should cause the sinner to recognise that God has done something for him. For because of his mercy, because of his love 
And because of his grace, he has provided everything that is needed to deliver us from the kingdom of darkness and the power of Satan. He has provided it through the person and the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But for us, it should cause us who are saved to want to lift up our hands and to lift up our voices and to lift up our hearts and to give him thanks from grateful hearts. God's grace is amazing. His mercy is abounding and his love, well, where would we be without it? Where would we be? I'll tell you where we'd be. We'd still be in our sin. We'd still be lost and hopeless. And we'd still be heading for a lost eternity. But Jesus came along. He's found us. He saved us. And now when we're on the balance, we're not down there. We've been lifted up because of his love, because of his mercy, and because of his grace. So as you go through this week, as you read the devotions and are reminded again of God's love, God's mercy and God's grace, let's rejoice in where we are. We're in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places. And he's got immeasurably more to give to us and to do for us. That's how great his grace is, his mercy and his love. And I thank God every day that I'm saved. Thank God that he's met me. He's lifted me up out of the horrible pit. And he's placed my feet on the solid rock. The rock Christ Jesus. We're on a firm foundation. We're on a rock solid foundation. As we hold fast to what Christ has done for us. Amen.